Are any of you here bloggers unveiled? I would love if Holly was. Could I would you imagine. I would love if Bloggers <laughs> like, Unveiled could you was, like, actually... was like a super nice vegan. I would That'd just adore so the exclusive, to be honest with you. <laughs> could you like, actually really imagine? Hello and welcome to Girls With Goals. I'm Neve Marr and I'm delighted to welcome to studio my guest panellists for the week, researcher and journalist Mary McGill, vegan food blogger and stylist Holly White and friend of the show Rosemary McCabe. I realised, right, I started laughing during that intro because I realised I was meant to ask Rosemary what she wanted to be introduced <laughs> as. I like friend of the show. So yeah. then I was going to go off, yeah, well I start again and I didn't. So what do you want to be called? I'm sorry. Friend of the show is fine. Okay, journalist, blogger, friend of the show. Slashy. Okay, cool. You're very welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you for coming in. Before we get into our first topic, we're going to play our game. So it's called Six Words or Less, and it's for our readers and our listeners of Her.ie who may not know who you are. So who should we start with? Does anybody want to volunteer to go first? Rosemary's done it. You don't get to volunteer someone else, Holly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm unprepared, so I'm trying to see. Okay, okay. So I have prepared mine. That's the kind of person I am today. On this show, more than anyone. <laughs> is that true? That's actually Aside from you. No, that's technically true, yes. Mm. This, is the, third third, time, this is the third time that Rosemary's been on the show, so good. And also, if we want to, we can just look back on your other six words or less. So, because but I that feel wasn't... like I've really changed in those couple of months. Yeah, you have. I haven't argued with anyone on Twitter in at least four days. Yeah, and... <laughs> <laughs> I'm really busy. <laughs> New career and everything. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that. Mary, six words or less. I'm going to say up the walls as per usual. Oh, I like that. Because it's true, but I, not to derail, but we're not going to get into it, but um, this day, two weeks something major is going to be happening here in Ireland and Absolutely. that is taking up a lot of my time. Okay, uh, rightly so. And uh, in every which way. So I like the phrase up the walls as well. I feel like it's Irish. Yes. Isn't it? Yes. I haven't heard any other nation say up the walls. I don't know though. Yeah. Is it's it what, just uniquely Irish? It's what we do to ourselves. Yeah. We're right. just always up the walls. Yeah. Is it the phrase or is it the fact that we just love to tell people how busy we are? Maybe that's the kind of cultural... How are you up the walls? You're like, that's not what I meant. Like, I know, yeah. How, how are you? So busy all the time, yeah. yes. But I understand that. Holly, six words or less? Kind, plant-based cat lover, possibly. Cat lover. Yeah, it's true. How many cats do you have? Three. Okay. Yeah, three is a lot, definitely. That's a, that's a commitment. It is. Well, one was given to us, one was a rescue, and that it just it kind of just happens. Okay. And there you go. But are you a cat person and not a dog person? No, or are you dream of owning a dog. It's just not there yet in terms of life like a dog I would just like I would just like to say if you would like to borrow my dog at (laughs) any stage and absolutely ruin that dream for yourself you can you have an adorable dog I have a dog who appears adorable in photographs. Yeah, you posted a photograph yesterday of your dog and it was something about the gender Her beard, because yeah. everyone thinks she's a boy because of her beard. Oh. I mean, I don't know if it's specifically the beard, but that's what I suspect. I mean, it's going to nicely segue us into our first topic because if dogs could take selfies, I'm sure that they would post a lot of <laughs> selfies. I honestly swear to God, I didn't plan that, honestly. Beautiful. <laughs> that just happened. So we do take a lot of selfies, all of us. So I think we think that we're experts, but we actually have a living, breathing expert of selfies in our midst at the moment so Mary McGill you've given TED Talks on selfies Mm. you've written research you have a website on the selfiestudy.com where people can go and find out more about them so why did you want to study selfies in the first place? That's a really good question and sometimes when I'm in the middle of losing my mind with my research I ask myself the same question. Well it was because when, I mean the selfie went into the dictionary in 2013 so it's a really new phenomenon in in some respects, not in others but in some respects and what I noticed was my background is in media studies and in my BA I did a certain amount of feminist media theory and I began to notice that at least in the mainstream, the way we began to interpret selfie-taking, particularly selfie-taking by young women, sounded an awful lot like we had interpreted, we'll say, the way women read certain types of magazines, read certain types of books, go to the cinema, the things that women like are usually disparaged in culture, which, you know, is, is really unfair. So I was like, well, this is interesting. So here we have a phenomenon that's happening in real time that people mm-hmm. consider to be new, and yet we're using a lot of the same old ways of thinking in order to interpret it. So it kind of became very quickly, uh, one, a phenomenon, but then straight away 
associated with females Mm -hmm. and also it began to be used negatively pretty much straight off the bat. Isn't that true? As in, they're taking selfies again. Look at those women, they're taking selfies. Constant, constant, constant. And was that something that made you want to do the research straight away? Like, I know in your TED Talk, you talked about um, this one image of a group of women at a baseball match taking selfies. Tell us about that one. So that took place, I'm sure you'll remember, a baseball game in America. And Mm. it was a group of sorority sisters who were attending. And they were caught on camera taking selfies of themselves. And the commentators, who were supposed to be commentating on the game, actually didn't pay any attention to that and spent a few minutes disparaging the young women in question. Now, what was interesting about that was the global attention that it received and it was ta- the behaviour of these young women was taken to say something about womanhood full stop or young womanhood in this day and age as something, yeah, narcissism as, as, as something that is, you know, wrong yeah. or, or, or assuming narcissism because you look at somebody in a particular context for a few minutes taking a selfie and saying, oh, well, obviously that's some kind of pathological behaviour. Mm-hmm. And when you throw a word like narcissism around, you need to be really careful because take for example like what do you mean like do you mean narcissistic personality disorder which is quite an extreme condition and really can only be diagnosed by professionals yeah very specific very specific yeah. right or do you mean you know somebody going hey I, I feel good in this moment I want to take a picture and I want to I want to remember that and if you see a young woman doing that and that provokes in you a reaction that you wouldn't have to somebody else or somebody from a different demographic why is that the case and why do we assume I mean back I was just reading this yesterday going through some material like Simone de Beauvoir when she was writing in the 1940s mm-hmm. talks about how narcissism is regarded as the fundamental aspect of women now, this is the 1940s yeah, and right. here we are making these assumptions still and what I will say and then I'll shut up and let everybody else get in <laughs> is that is narcissism and vanity, are they factors? Sure they are. But if you take gender out of it and you stand back for a moment and you're like, what do we know about social media? Bearing in mind this stuff is really new, the research is still coming out, it's very emergent. Well, we know so far that if a person has narcissistic tendencies, social media potentially exacerbates that. Okay? So that's a lot more nuanced and complex than just saying young women taking selfies are somehow wrong or bad or deviant. Because essentially any Anybody who is on social media and who may like something or is just a voyeur yeah. is essentially fueling that, if we were to call it narcissism, sure. by partaking in it. And just one more thing yeah. on social media is to say that would none of us none of us can engage in these spaces without doing self-branding because that's how they are designed. You have to give of yourself. You have to focus on you. You have to give an opinion. You have to give your attention. You have to give a like. You have to give your energy. You've got to give your focus. If it seems narcissistic, that is at least partially because of how the technology is designed. I mean, I think self-branding is a really interesting thing and I want to get the other uh, guests' input on this. Holly, like you're a blogger, so you have a, a website yep. and obviously a huge portion of your your business is done through online media yeah. so that's something and you're the face of it as well so you have to be out there as the face of you know Holly White yeah. so do you think about what people will perceive before you post a selfie does that come into your into your mind like if you're if you're now I'm not talking about if you're doing it for like a brand or something like that or a sponsored or an ad like do you yourself think have I posted too many selfies this week or anything like that no completely and it was really interesting because when I was watching your TED talk obviously which is phenomenal um, I devour books on self-help and wellness and really the godmother of self-help is a woman called Louise Hay and she wrote a book called You Can Heal Your Life which has sold over I think 15 million copies but one of her key exercises she since passed on but one of her key exercises is mirror work where people look in a mirror and say I love and accept myself exactly as I am and she said that brings people to tears but it's deeply important for our self-esteem and I think positive affirmation exactly but Mm -hmm. also actually just looking at yourself accepting yourself and I think it's really interesting because to me that was the first thing that came into my mind is that on some level are people really uncomfortable with people taking a picture of themselves and saying do you know what I think I look okay like whereas really fundamentally she's saying and she dealt heavily with the AIDS crisis in the 80s and people who were going through serious illnesses but a fundamental part of her work and she said for any form of healing is to be able to look in a mirror and be okay with the way that you look and I think what I love I suppose about social media is that I think it's kind of democratised media in general like when I was growing up magazines in a way it was fabulous because they were so 
glamorous and everything looked so kind of glossy Mm -hmm. but equally it was very narrow-minded whereas now what I love about the fact of online is you can pick who it is that you want to follow different shapes different body sizes political views opinions you can kind of design your own media but there's no barriers to entry um it's definitely more accessible that's for it people. whereas yeah. before you would buy one magazine and you were kind of really only seeing if you were buying vogue like the world of fashion and beauty through Anna Wintour's eyes whereas now we can almost curate what images and what kind of content and even what style we're interested in and I think that's really beautiful I think that's interesting and I think as well as that like it's good that people are curating their own things as Mm -hmm. in I know that there's a bit of a movement now about if Instagram accounts make you feel bad or if if certain things it's just about unfollow Um, but Rosemary what about you and selfies you've got an interesting relationship with selfies I think you take selfies you take quite a lot we all take selfies we all take selfies, absolutely. I, I, I mean, this sounds very, very. Why is my type? Why is my instant I mean, selfies more interesting than anyone else's? I will tell you from my perspective because I follow you on social media and I respect the selfies that you put up because some of them, I think it's more what you say about them than the actual selfies. So, like we do, we all take selfies and we all put them up. Yeah. But you're very honest about your selfies. Like there was one selfie that you put up, and I, I think it got so many likes. I think I know. But, what but you're it was the about. one of you in clothes, and we won't name the store. Oh yeah. Um, but I mean, is it fair that to say that? Speaking was not a selfie. I had my my long suffering friend take that photo. Oh, sorry, I thought it was a mirror selfie. <laughs> no, no, okay. No, no. Um, but I mean, I don't know whether it's about us being like slightly self deprecating or not. I actually think that your selfies are just more honest than a lot of the selfies that I see. Well, you know what's really funny is that I don't think my selfies are any more honest than certain people Mm -hmm. but the truth of the matter is that I'm not traditionally beautiful and I'm not traditionally thin so a lot of the time people look at my photographs and go wow that's a really honest photograph my photograph isn't any more honest than Suzanne Jackson's but people perceive you know what I mean like people see photographs I don't think you use as many filters as Suzanne Jackson no but I mean people see photographs and, and if you don't look quote unquote perfect they somehow think that you're being more honest or more brave than someone else when actually this is just what I, what my body and my face look like. Do you know what I mean? So I like, know like what you I don't. Mean, but I don't know if I completely agree because you're saying that it's you're not putting yourself into the stereotypical what is beautiful. But I don't think that's actually it. I think it's the way you're curating your own selfies, which is different than lots of other people online. That's what I mean. So people who maybe wouldn't be traditionally beautiful are altering their images in order to. Well, because I've definitely given up. I think trying to do that. You know what I mean that I've kind of got to a point where I'm like you know what and you know also because I find it really embarrassing that if I put up a selfie where I look like an absolute ride I find it really hard to leave the house for about 48 hours because I'm like somebody's going to see me and be like what the hell like she looked amazing yesterday and now she looks totally normal you know which isn't bad and you know I'm not trying to put this as a dichotomy of good and bad being perfect and imperfect but I do sometimes feel like if I put up a selfie where I look like very symmetrical or very slim or like my neck mm-hmm. is very long which it absolutely isn't that I'm then like oh shit what if I see someone in the supermarket and they're like that selfie was a lie you know what I mean <laughs> I think Instagram stories has changed it as well though yeah. a lot because I think it showed a lot of personality as mm-hmm. well behind things and um, what I loved is I feel through platforms like well Snapchat to an extent as well I found that a lot of bloggers were sharing more sort of business as well in terms of and you're seeing their routine how busy are they what are they up to that kind of thing as well you did get to know the person rather than just the one dimensional image you know what I love so much like not to be my, my favourite topic is to like give out about bloggers I love so much when you see people going have a really busy day here's my to-do list right and their to-do list is all the shit yeah. that other people do on the weekends it's yeah. like go to dry the dry cleaning. cleaner yeah <laughs> go to the dry cleaner like pick up Alteration. my post Altering. yeah and you're like this isn't your like Meal if prep. this is your job yeah you're like go to the supermarket you're like other people have to do that at lunchtime I yeah. remember when I moved off breakfast radio the first thing I started realising of working kind of more of a 9 to 5 I was like how do people get things done yeah. 9 to 6 everything's closed at 6 o'clock mm, yeah. you can't get your dry cleaning in the middle of the no. day but I mean Mary what do you think about how selfies are going to change in the future based on the research that you've oh, done that's a fascinating question just one more point on narcissism because we've all touched on it here whenever I hear people making that claim about yeah. narcissism I'm we're like, going to talk about bloggers a little bit more later on so that's excellent. why I kind of want to move away from but that just to excellent. say <laughs> love it um, just to say somebody who makes that accusation towards young women or any woman is I just think you clearly do not know the relationship the average woman has to their body to yeah. accuse yeah. them of being yeah. utterly I mean and that's we could go on about that forever but 
can I just interject slightly to go none of us thought it was narcissistic when it was just Asian people taking sure. selfies and I know that that sounds kind of mad but when it was like Chinese and Japanese tourists coming oh, over and taking oh, selfies gotcha, on the gotcha, Haypenny gotcha. Bridge I didn't understand the context yeah gotcha. like, like nobody was saying you're being really vain they were just going look at these mad tourists taking yeah. mad holiday photographs whereas once it became something that women did then it became like oh this is a vain thing but there's a fascinating thing that you touched on in your talk Mary and mm. it's it's the comparison that you do to sports coverage yeah. and I find that really interesting because we we generally do um, a part of this show which is about female athletes and sports and it's called our spotlight on sport and you know we're really proud of it and we think it's important to get more mm-hmm. female athletes out there on mainstream media but you compared it to the fact that the majority of the sports coverage that's out there on the news and on radio and television is targeted towards men mm-hmm. essentially actually yeah. you're better at, at describing this than well, I am. well, no, Neve, ex- exactly that. But also, can you imagine if after you know the twelve o'clock news, we're going to pause now from the latest headlines from the world of fashion? I know people will be like, "You're going to do what now? Yeah. Why would you do that? Well, why do we do sport?" Mm-hmm. And I'm not here to you know, denigrate sport. People love sport. People love a lot of things. I know, but they are not featured as part of of the news necessarily. Well, they're not granted the same weight. Absolutely. And like, yeah. what I'm what I'm really talking about, I'm going to use this term. It's called um, an androcentric culture, and what that basically means is you have a culture where there, where there are, are you know kind of two streams one of which is male but not only is, is one of those streams male the male culture also gets to define the other culture as less than yeah. and as a bit ridiculous and I, I do get and um, when I'm talking about Safi's a lot I, I, I hear the word guilt over and over again and that immediately sets off alarm bells at me because guilt is so closely aligned to shame Yeah, we have enough shame Sally Hughes wrote a really interesting article and I thought basically what she was kind of saying is, is that if someone spent and we would all know that sporting tickets can be really expensive if someone said I'm going to the match I spent Mm -hmm. 200 euros on tickets we'd say isn't that great have a good day out whereas if someone went in to Brent Thomas or Arnott's and said you know what I spent 200 euros on eyeshadows they would be perceived differently whereas each if it brings you enjoyment whatever it is Mm -hmm. one would be associated with you know you'd almost be hiding the bags or something like yeah. that mm-hmm. whereas really if someone got tickets to the match it's like great well done yeah. it's just consumerism of another form so like yeah. exactly mm-hmm. that why do we have these degrees why do we have these standards and we know why we have these degrees and standards and just yeah. by Rosemary's point about you know tourists um, taking selfies not a story young women taking selfies oh that's a whole other thing because we have this unending fascination with what women do and don't do with their bodies with their lives with themselves yeah. and I think and again to go back to the selfie phenomenon it comes through in that I mean but do you know what's so funny it's it's pegging things as narcissistic and pegging things as rudeness and stuff like I have been on dates with men when there has been a sporting event happening in the mm. background and I love sports like and I play sports and I'm mad about sports but literally he has been looking through me and I'm like this is so rude yeah. like are you serious that this is happening but that level of behavior is accepted because it's an it's FA important. Cup final. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's more important mm-hmm. than, you know, getting the right light for a selfie. And I mean, I would love to say that someday and going back to the question of like, how do you think selfies are going to evolve and how do you think they're going to change? Mm-hmm. I would love to think that maybe, you know, it's going to be a part of our society that we will not be shamed for and we won't feel guilt. But like, I know I need to work on that myself because I do. Sometimes if I get caught taking a selfie in a, in a public place, I will feel a little bit of guilt. I don't think that's my fault, but I think no. it's... it's 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 we, 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 guilt is 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 like like this little bell that sits over the female ear that goes jingle jangle at least fifty times a day yeah. because in the, that, I mean, we're, we're told the things that we enjoy we're, we're supposed to enjoy but they're also you know less than so we should yeah. feel bad mm-hmm. about them it's a hopeless bind oh, totally mm, yeah. but what I will say about the surfing and social media in general is that we are in the middle of the wild west period now okay, okay. so mm. norms are still up for grabs etiquette is still up for grabs we could look back in ten or twenty years time and be like the selfie what was all that about but say that about so many other things yeah. as well so it's it, this technology has developed so quickly it's subsumed our lives so quickly we are still figuring it out and that for me as a researcher is what makes me kind of go hold on with your judgement here now just hold on yeah. let's try and figure out what's going on in good faith okay we are probably going to touch on some of this later on because I want to ask you guys if any of you are bloggers unveiled but we're going to take a quick break <laughs> right now why are you laughing that's a valid question for our spotlight interview this week Amy DeVroon join me in studio she's written and funded a new play it's called I See You it's based on the legendary Lady Mary Heath and here's how we got on because I'm woman you think you can whistle 
because I am woman, you think you can wiggle your little finger at me in some desperate attempt to belittle what I'm trying to achieve. I'm merely going from A to B and you, sir, have the audacity to wag that little finger at me. That tiny, puny, shriveled stick that is indicative of your shriveled. But alas, I have class, so I'll bite my tongue. I'm joined now in studio by actress and playwright Amy DeVroon, who's been on the show before, of course. Um, we are talking about a new play that, Amy, you wrote yourself. It's called I See You, and it's inspired by Limerick legend and inspiration to aviation lady Mary Heath. Before we talk about the new play, so aside from your TV and your film work, you're kind of known for writing and performing one-woman plays. That's yes. that's how I knew you before. Yeah. So what made you change your MO, essentially? Well, it was kind of, it was due to the subject matter because it was essentially about Lady Mary Heath. Yeah. And what I started to find was I, I started to realise that Lady Mary is, if I start telling a story just about Lady Mary and her history, it's quite boring. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't um, want to talk about her history. I don't, no, but, I don't think it's boring at all. No, but it's fascinating. But it's in trying to find a story in it, you'd end up just giving a history lesson to people. Right. And I wanted to be a bit more creative than that. And I started to look at the amazing achievements that she had had 100 years ago. And then I thought about how where we are as a position as women in today's society, and we ha- we haven't moved on that much. Yeah. So I just thought it'd be really interesting to put two women side by side, one from the past and one from modern day. Yeah. And uh, and and kind of and and have them kind of see if they could communicate in some way. And just in case anybody who's listening doesn't know the history of mm. Lady Mary Heath, give us a brief but not boring history lesson yeah. on her because she's so fascinating. Yeah, no, she's incredible. She was born in Limerick. Um, her the, the, her father bludgeoned her mother to death when she was a baby. Stop. Yeah, so she had to then go uh, and she I was there watching. I didn't read about that. Yeah, no, it's incredible. And so she was actually there watching, which, you know, as a kind of a very small child. And then she uh, she moved, uh, she lived with her aunts. She was married three times in early 1900s Ireland, which again was completely unheard of. Yeah. Um, her, her last marriage was to a black man in early 1900s Ireland, which again was completely unheard of. Wow. Um, she uh, was the first female commercial pilot. So even before Amelia Earhart, Amelia Earhart was actually a bit of a fan of hers. Right. Um, she, uh, she flew the length of Africa to London um, completely solo. Um, she was a she was a, a prize winning athlete. Yeah, she addressed she was. the Olympic Committee for the inclusion of women's sports in the Olympic program. And this was before she kind of got into aviation, right? So she yeah. was very much a trailblazer with sport first. Because yeah. at that time there wasn't a lot of opportunities for women, but she was pretty adamant that this was going to be something that she could participate in. Exactly. And her first flight was actually to address the Olympic Committee. That was the first time she ever flew, and then she sort of fell in love with it, and then wanted to do it herself. Um, yeah, so she was an incredible woman. She's uh, and and totally kind of paved the way. And she had this sort of five years of like extreme fame, and then just fell into the walls of history. She even some of her she ended up teaching as well towards the end of her life, and uh, some of her students went on to kind of set up Lingus. So it was kind of it's a huge. It's kind of like a snapshot on you know and the comparisons between celebrity now yeah. and celebrity obviously over a hundred years ago. Exactly. I mean, in terms of comparing it to modern day life mm-hmm. and modern day women and I think it's obviously um, incredibly important at this moment as well with what's going on with the referendum mm. is that why you brought in a modern woman into this play as well and what are the kind of themes that they both are dealing with in this play Yeah so it was really important because the whole kind of idea of um, her story which introduced me to Lady Mary Heath is finding role models nowadays for women mm. um, from our history that have been forgotten about um, and yeah it was really important to put them side by side um, and the kind of issues like um, modern Mary's in an abusive relationship she gets stuck in an abusive relationship because because she gets pregnant and she has no other choice um, because of obviously the laws in Ireland mm-hmm. um, and uh, and we kind of look at Lady Mary who 100 years ago her first relationship was an abusive one and she left she was like I'm not going to end up like my mother I'm going to leave Yeah. Um, so it was kind of hugely important to just kind of uh, ju- just take a look at it and 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 uh, observe it, and kind of, and through art, you can have these kind of conversations in a different kind of way. Yeah, um, and obviously, uh, like aside from those kind of like 
clear struggles yeah. that these women I mean feminism and stuff I suppose we mm. say the word trailblazer just off off our tongue it kind of rolls off yeah. but I mean that must have been really really hard for her back then mm. to be doing these things like and yeah. I know in your promo clip um, which we played at the beginning of this interview you know I'm presuming that she's addressing a man that you wag your finger at me like and yeah. and this kind of thing so obviously she probably had to deal with a lot of it and I Huge she mention, tried yeah. to become like the first kind of commercial mm. pilot and it, it just the times weren't ready for it. No, and they kept taking her license away from her and they kept testing her menstrual cycle. What? Yes. So Why? they kept testing her menstrual cycle and they used it as a reason she was unfit to fly. They called it a disability. Oh my God. But it's a really, there's a really interesting thing which like in the play she says, you know, it's very clever really. She said, I always, almost admire whoever thought of it. She says, well, it's a cycle, isn't it? Menstruation. You can't escape a cycle. It just keeps going. So as in like, you could never not be disabled because you're always going to have your menstrual cycle. Oh my so God. yeah. Um, that in itself is worth a play just so that people know what women had to deal with I know with back it's then. just like it's, it's, it's horrific and then you look at it's so funny because then kind of it spreads out throughout the whole play about cycles and kind of the cycles of, of female oppression yeah. and how they've you know and how they, they kind of keep going so it, there's so many themes that just keep popping up the more yeah. the more we perform it the more we dive into it yeah. even though I wrote it I didn't even realise how much I was right you know yeah. how many themes were in it until like the very end we won't give too much away because we do think sure. that it's really important that women and men and everybody goes mm. and see this play but um, if we were to go back you ran a big campaign yes. in order to get this play on the stage in the first place yeah. and um, I saw it because I follow you on all social media but yeah. you ran a funded campaign why did you have to do that where would you go normally for funding like how important was it for you to make this and was it really important that people supported you in it yeah so so what kind of has happened because I've uh, self-produced my last six one woman shows yeah. I've sort of of um, what you can fall into the trap of, uh, trap of is kind of oh she'll just do it anyway it's it's grand you know Amy, yeah. Amy will just do it herself so I would have applied for a different um, new writing theatre companies um, producers uh, trying to get it out there in, in some way um, hmm. and little um, schemes that were going and uh, and it was just kind of not happening and then it was it's kind of been two years in the making so it was getting to the point because of kind of the atmosphere and the, in, in the air at the moment with yeah. the referendum and, and with where women are I just went I have to get it on and I really it was like it was just an instinct I couldn't I couldn't not do it it wasn't too do a play or be famous or anything yeah. like that it was like I felt like genuinely called to do it so I just kind of thought okay if I if I fundraise now and I get a team in place a good a, you know really good producer another good actress um set designer sound designer because you know I would always kind of be plucking these things myself if I'm doing one woman shows because they're one they're kind of a show in a bag I can pick them up and I can kind of take them anywhere I was going if I really build that team now and this is our starting point our jumping off point and from there try and get the right funding uh, the right theatres the right people to come and see it now because I was having all these kind of meetings but nothing was kind of it was always it was all oh yeah I'd love to see that and I'm like but go you know, do it yourself but and go then do it yourself. come back to me yeah do you think that's something that like you think back on obviously with your one woman plays mm. I mean that was a huge creative draw for yourself to do that yeah. but do you feel in terms of kind of building um, bigger shows on theatre that that mm. may have worked against you um, in terms of funding and stuff like that that like you're not going to work for free Amy realistically yeah, exactly. like even if it is for the love of your art yeah, you need yeah. to get paid you know? yeah exactly yeah I think I think it do, I think it does it kind of does work against you because I think if you kind of it's a funny it's a really funny thing and I've really been struggling with it at the moment um, over the last few weeks I think if you do show that kind of initiative I think people just assume you're going to do it yourself anyway But I saw that you struggled as well on your social media about like I'm asking you yeah. for help. Yeah. And even though like I remember like messaging you a few times just being like this is great like fair play to you for putting yeah. yourself out there and doing this but I could tell that you were having this internal struggle a little bit with yeah. like give me your money. Exactly. But yeah. I mean like obviously it paid off but like how yeah. was that a tough thing that for you to really do? That was really tough. I felt very vulnerable. I felt like I was putting myself in a really vulnerable position and um, and no one likes asking people well for money anyway because yeah. and, and especially for art and it feels a bit wishy-washy and and I just kept going back going look look the, honestly the story needs to be told mm. and it was so funny because there was kind of a point where I just went I, I went do you know what I was like I'm not doing it if I don't reach the funding 
I'm just not going to do it and that's fine because I know that I gave it my all and I'm doing it I, in a car, part of me felt like I was doing it a bit for Lady Mary for her voice yeah. to be heard and I was going I've done I've done everything I can and it's maybe just not the time and after I literally let go of it everything just spiked it just started it started to kind of roll in it took a big kind of leap so Amazing I mean as soon as people hear the kind of background and the story of it yeah. like I mean I think that kind of speaks for itself like it's such a good idea for a play mm. so tell us before I let you go how can people get more information how long the run is on for and where is it on as well Sure it's on in Theatre Upstairs on Eden Quay um, it, you can visit uh, theatreupstairs.ie to book your tickets um, we have a Facebook and Instagram page which is ICU underscore play um, and I'm on social media at Amy DeVroon and you can I, I'm retweeting everything so Brilliant. well listen I'm really excited to see it self-penned and self-funded as well we need to support women like Amy so I implore you all to go and see it Amy thank you so much for coming in thank you for having me okay so we're back so ladies we're going to talk about periods for a minute We've spoken about periods before on this show and uh, it's good, I think, that we talk about periods as much as we do. Do you remember, first question, getting your first period? Yes. Yes? Yes. Do you want, guys want to share it or not? This is a personal question, so if you don't want to share, absolutely do not feel obliged. I remember being absolutely underwhelmed and have remained so uh, I I know there's been a, a, a like a kind of a push and a, a resurgence of this idea that you know periods are you know empowering and mm-hmm. that empty word that gets banished about so much but kind of you know a, that says something positive and about the, about you know, femininity and, and this force it was a non-event for you it was a non and it, I, it remains to this day a complete inconvenience I'm always like oh you again okay yeah. I've got yeah. so much that I could be doing instead of sitting here in pain feeling miserable it comes around so quickly as well doesn't it I'm definitely in that mindset now but at the time when I was younger I was quite late getting my period Mm -hmm. and I was mortified like all my friends had it I wasn't a woman I thought I was never going to be a woman and it was like a struggle I didn't get it until I think I was 15 or something so I was quite late and now I'm just like I should have just embraced those years a little bit more but I remember when I got it I, I felt I don't know, like a woman again. Oh my God, I was so excited. Were you? I was. Aww. I was in. I was in Wexford. My my friend and I used to go down to her family's mobile. There's a point for all this, by the way. There is a definite point in this. We'll get to I, it. Listen, but go on. I'm happy to just talk about myself. That's okay. my point. Um, <laughs> I was down in my friend's family's mobile in Blackwater and I remember coming out of the bathroom with this like massive smile and my friend was like rolling her eyes going you got your period didn't you and I was like finally I was so happy and her mom took me down to the local spa and I really wanted to buy tampons because I'd obviously been like devouring Just 17 magazine and I've been like tampons are the future now and her mom was like you won't be able to manage them now we'll just get you some pads the bitch she, <laughs> she, she didn't know she didn't know just what a what a woman I was um, before we had mobiles to like to look at on the loo I think I read those tampon leaflets front to back three million times like before I even had my period because I have an older sister and a, and a mom, and you know they'd have tampon boxes and I think I read the instruction leaflet three times every single time I went to the bathroom yeah. do you know what I mean that I'd be like pouring through it so I never did is, that and because they always have that awful warning about, yeah, about toxic shock yeah. syndrome yes yeah still scarred you know what um, I was reading something recently that toxic shock syndrome is caused by a certain chemical that, the, that they use to dye the cotton in tampons so actually they don't need to like tampons for days it can happen within an hour basically oh yes but that's not what I was yeah. going to say I was going to say tampons don't need to cause TSS they cause TSS because they use this thing to make them I don't know cheaper or easier to produce but it is possible to produce tampons that do not have the capability of, of causing TSS they just don't do it wow. I know that was like an inherent about women. fear um, but in, in terms of periods and kind of being slightly more happy than talking about toxic shock syndrome uh, we did run a piece on site there during the week and the headline reads period parties are coming to Ireland so I'm, I'm going to quote the author now directly so Melissa Carton on our team wrote gender reveals bridal showers baby showers you name it they've got a cake for it and the latest US import is period parties so essentially it's a party that is dedicated to celebrating the fact that you got your period for the first time so yeah. You just what? listen to Leona Lewis bleeding love over and over oh. again and you eat like raspberry sponge. <laughs> Is that it's it? Am nice. I on the right track? That seems... There's, uh, I'm <laughs> quoting Melissa again, but there's uterus-shaped piñatas and the likes of this. I mean, the whole... Sorry, <laughs> that would be so Irish bakery that you could ring up and be like, hi, can I have this? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, 
think you could bring them to court. You know, like the the, the couple that wanted the the gay Ashes. wedding cake. I'd be yes. like, I want my uterus yes. in sponge and frangipana, and if I'm not getting it, that's it. Okay, so we're kind of joking about it, but what do you guys Are really? What do you guys really think of it? Would you have a period party for, say, your daughter? Red, oh. red wine. Are you just gonna sing period songs? Yeah. <laughs> Like my my first instinct is no. Like it seems it seems American. We're it does. Too Irish for yeah, this. it's an import. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I actually think we're too Irish for gender reveals. But that's a big thing now, and is I think it? it's happening yeah. here as well. We thought yeah. we'd never even do baby showers. Right. Remember that? We were like, yeah. that's mad. It's yeah. only Cameron Diaz in that movie, and now we're all doing it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think it's it's normalizing it. It's celebrating something that happens in a young girl's life. Uh-huh. But also, don't forget. I sound American now as well. Don't <laughs> I? But. Neither I, w- I was a late starter as well. It puts a lot of pressure on people like us. That's true, yeah. I mean, imagine being 15 and like going into your like second year maths class and going, lads, come on. I think it's a party, my God. Especially with social media as well. It yeah. would be almost like, are you supposed to put the party up online then or something? Because then oh everyone God. knows your I'm, business. I want to have a period party. Now, my period is due in two weeks, so it's probably too soon to organize it for the next time, but I could do it for the six weeks, but you can all come. But you know, know it's, it's an interesting social construct as well, because imagine if it became popular. Mm. And Mary, you might be able to weigh in on this. Mm. And then it becomes a fashionable thing. And then if you're a mother who doesn't throw your daughter a period party, what Mm. kind of mother are you? Oh, stop. Like, I mean, part of the reason I'm sure that it's quote unquote catching on is because it sells stuff, right? It sells beautiful uterine shaped cakes and so on. (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, but I mean, look at if, if, if. We live in a capitalist society, and if, there, if there's money to be made doing something, we then know God, someone is going to do it. So there's that aspect to it as well. Yeah. But having it be uh, become kind of institutionalized, I just don't see it in an Irish context. And America is a big country. I'm sure there's a lot of Americans who'd be horrified by the idea as well. I just don't know what's going to come next. Like yes. if this is what we're we're celebrating, then what could possibly come next? I mean, are they going to celebrate it when a boy's balls drop? That happens. I think it happens quite young, though. Yeah, I think it's too young. I'm going to need a, a title for that celebration. I'm quite sure. <laughs> <laughs> don't know, Rosemary. Oh, my God. My, my brain, I'm like, what puns? What puns? What puns? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're all saying that maybe not for us. It's a no thanks from me. Yeah. Holly, what do you think? I'm not sure. You don't know? No. I think, I, do. throw, I think you'd throw a great period party though possibly I love your Instagram like I'd say it would just be amazing yeah <laughs> no do you know I think who knows but I think either way I agree with you there shouldn't be any shame associated with anything not. like that yeah. it should be especially if you're a girl in a house of boys or any of your moments they should be this is really important they should be celebrated exactly yeah, yeah. but not in a cake that's it mm. We need to we need to flip the script so that women who don't like girls who don't get their period until they're older realize how lucky they are. I know. Ugh, just being like carnage. Free since. to live your life four weeks out of every single month. I know. Yeah, absolute bliss. Ladies, before I let you go, I do want to ask you: um, Are any of you here bloggers unveiled? I would love if Holly was. Could I would you imagine. I would love if Holly like, was very Could you like, actually like a super nice vegan? I would just adore so the exclusive. To be honest with you, <laughs> could you like, actually I really imagine? No, I know this sounds bad, but I only it was open for a while, and I had a glance at it, and I know this sounds bad, but I don't like that. To me, it. I think some of it is maybe effective. Like I think in terms of certain campaigns, and I think as mm-hmm. I said, it normalizes. It shows. Listen, that's photoshopped. That no one looks at thin yeah. or whatever or like we, we have two bloggers here now so essentially I'm really interested to get your take on it and to see how you feel about something like that which, which is essentially tearing down other members of your community kind of on the daily now you haven't you haven't been mentioned on it once I follow it like you haven't been mentioned on it at all so yeah, I, I think every industry has to have some sort of like I think Basically, I remember the first time I ever saw, like, if you see makeup artists, some of them will have, like, a ring light. And basically, when you put it on, if you have a highlighter, it'll make it glow. Yeah. And I've been sold products from the Charlotte Tilbury website and gone, wait a minute, I'm not getting the same effect or whatever. Okay. I felt in a way it was useful because it was actually showing people, by the way, that highlighter is not going to change your life. Okay. Or that pair of jeans isn't going to change your life because we've all been disappointed with online purchases or things that we've been sold. So in that regard, I thought it was a really kind of a positive thing. I've worked behind the scenes on fashion shoots where clothes are tweaked and I've also seen models whose full-time job it is to basically look beautiful and the energy that they bring into clothes and Mm. that, you know, 
I thought in that regard it kind of it showed listen there's a few Serves tricks a and tricks yeah. behind these kind of things but like it's not the kind of thing I'd want to buy into or particularly like enjoy or love following or anything mm. like that because I do think it got quite toxic and maybe once the page became busier there was a need to maybe I need to keep posting I need to find something else and that's wrong I mean I think mm. it's kind of turned into a bit of a witch hunt in itself now in that there was a a, a time there I think it was a couple of weeks ago when uh, the account was taken down and then they came back and it was all this drama we've spoken about it a couple of times on the show and um, we don't talk about it too much but we did speak about it when it came out originally and it got so much press but now it's about who Bloggers Unveiled is whoever it is that they have a lot of time <laughs> I mean, you know what? I like where you've been accused of being. Yeah, which really annoys me because I feel like if I was going to do that, I would do. You know, I, mean? I would do it under my own name. Okay, like I might be a bit of a bitch and I might be a bit of a rabble rouser, but I've always been a bitch and a rabble rouser under Rosemary McKay. But yeah. you know what I mean? I've never yeah, created yeah. a fake account and pretended to be someone else. Running no, around. so no. was that something that just kind of was it said on Twitter and then it gained a bit yeah, of yeah, or like loads of people messaged me on Instagram and were going, okay. "Hey, like, are you bloggers unveiled?" Now they think Roy oh, Keane is. No. Bloggers Unveiled just for context <laughs> Roy Keane they think Roy Keane they think Mary McAleese you know they what? think Richard Bruton they think everybody so is I, I have spoken to a couple of people about this when people have been going who do you think it is right and so there are a few things A it's somebody who can spell and who is pretty good pretty good at grammar which means it's probably not most Irish bloggers no offence to them <laughs> But B, it's somebody who doesn't understand the Irish media industry because they put up a whole post about press trips and they were saying this person went on a press trip, therefore it's an ad. So you and don't think it's someone in the industry? No, okay. it's, it's absolutely not anybody. It's it's, it's nobody. I, I don't think it's anybody we know and it's nobody who has any links to media or PR or blogging because they do not understand how, how the industry works. I thought it was someone in PR, if I'm being totally honest. Originally no, I thought it was a disgruntled PR person. No, because PR people understand that if, if you take a blogger or a journalist or you know an influencer on a press trip, that that is not an ad you have not paid them you've taken them somewhere yes and 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 if you have demanded uh, a review or you've you've demanded content in return that can be perceived as payment in kind mm-hmm. but that's not actually a commercial agreement and there was a big post on it where they were saying I think it was Ali, Ali from Goss, Goss that they were saying yeah. that she should have declared something as an ad because she'd gone to Cannes with Coco Brown which is just not correct not fact, factually correct and anybody in PR or, or the media or would blogging know would know that so I had said to a few people that I thought it was two people from boards whose real names I do not no, right? And I said, I think it's Anna080 and Lexi on Rail, which are their board's usernames, right? I agree with you that I think it could be more than one. I don't yeah, think... I think I think it's two people, both of whom have a lot of time in their hands, but not as much do you think because it's two of them, yeah. um, who just have a real obsession with bloggers and who spend a lot of time talking and thinking and writing about bloggers. And then somebody messaged me the other day and said, uh, did you know that um, apparently... Um, she said something like, uh, have you been telling people that Bloggers Unveiled is, is Lexi? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, well, do you, do you not think that's really bad that people are, are, are uh, uh, accusing her now? And I was like, are you asking me, do I think it's bad that people are accusing an anonymous person with a fake name of being a fake anonymous Instagram? Account? Like, I do not know her real name. And they were like, this could have real world percussions for her. And I'm like, no, it couldn't. No because knows she nobody is. knows her name. Like, yeah. it's, it's honestly like me saying, like, I think, I think this Teletubby is, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm going, and, and like, she was going, do you not feel bad? And I was going, have you seen the stuff she's written about me? Because mm-hmm. actually, no. <laughs> Lol. But like also, loads of them seem to think that Bloggers Unveiled is their god, that they're like, thank God somebody's calling out people now for photoshopping their legs slightly smaller than their other leg. And you're like, actually get over it. Like they're not doing a world service. Do you know what, but just to take the wider context, uh, I'm a big believer that we should be teaching media literacy at yes. secondary school level, yeah. right? The ability to think critically about the media that we consume because we're so consuming important. it as, as never and before. And being advertised to as well. Absolutely. And then knowing how advertising works and, mm-hmm. and how sometimes mm-hmm. advertising doesn't look like advertising, mm-hmm. but it entirely is and I think I think I'm fascinated by this but I think it speaks to a bigger issue online and again this goes back to the whole it's the wild west we're still figuring out this stuff that people need to be a lot more critical of what it is they think they're seeing or buying mm-hmm. yeah. online Yeah, I think it's one of those things that it is there's a shift now and it I think like you're right you know Bloggers Unveiled is talking about leg size and stuff like this I don't think it's that's going to change the industry but I find myself now swiping left if I even see somebody that I follow with a hashtag SP or with a hashtag ad I'm literally I'm not interested in what they're selling and I I feel a little bit annoyed at companies who are now employing this as the only way to market their brand You know what I would argue actually 
the the opposite of that that if you follow somebody and you enjoy following them right mm. and I mean like I would like to think that the people we follow on Instagram we enjoy following that we don't follow them because we hate them you know mm. what I mean we follow them because we like them or interested in what they're saying and if that person so like I follow a lot of people who do hashtag ad content who do hashtag SP content and I am so happy because I'm like I'm not paying for the hours of entertainment you give me every month you know what I mean that I honestly spend probably an hour a day looking through Instagram stories and I'm not paying for any of that content so I'm really fucking happy listen you, you get I that think, money I think as long as it's like a right fit and I suppose for me personally yeah, I'd be always, balance. I'm always kind of conscious I suppose you're one of the working key- with the Dairy Council well yeah because I couldn't like yeah. It, yeah, would, yeah. it would go and it would make no sense and even the certain things that I would say no to because it doesn't fit with what's with your brand and I think once you're once it's your name it's different if you're a company and you need to reach mm-hmm. like yeah. if you're a media platform you need to reach people of different interests but I kind of I have quite a targeted like it's vegan food it's yeah. cruelty free cosmetics in terms of clothing it's timeless or else I'm trying to move a little bit more towards ethical and it's not fast fashion so yeah I think people would almost go oh I'm kind of disappointed if I if they felt yeah. something was but wrong see, Holly, yes. what I think you're explaining there is you're talking about somebody who has morals no. in terms of <laughs> the stuff that they you know choose it's, it's your name sell. where like I suppose when I studied journalism years ago um, blogs didn't really exist but the one thing that we will all own everyone in this room is your name and it's your reputation yeah. mm-hmm. and that'll go onto your LinkedIn profile blogs Instagram might not even exist in 20 years time but I'll still be Holly White yeah. and I just feel like this is a period in time you that need to put that on your Twitter bio blogs may not exist in 20 years time but I'll still be Holly White but that's it and it's Great whatever t-shirt. people think of you yeah. and what you stood for there's mm. something as well about the fact that like I'm not involved in this world mm. at all. I have literally never been given money to say anything. Well, actually, that's my exact job. But <laughs> I have, I've never been given money to, <laughs> to say a specific thing about a specific product. Exactly. And I use products every single day, so sure. I don't know. So a lot of it is me from the outside looking in. And like that, I studied journalism, like I, I studied ethics, I studied all of these things. So like, I do understand and that's why maybe I come at it with a slightly more cynical undertone, but I still follow them all and I'm still bang smack in the in the target market for loads of them. Mary, what do you think about it? Like Life is transient. We try and capture mm. it. We do what we can. There's something quite moving and beautiful about that. We want to connect with each other. There's something moving and beautiful about that as well. But we live in an age where those impulses and those connections are being commodified. Yeah. And we need to ask ourselves serious questions about how good that is for us, what mm. we're getting out of it, and where ultimately all of this energy and all this work is going at the end of the day. And the thing is, like, I'm not saying it just because the two of you are sitting here, but like, you both have a very clear brand, I think, in terms of the blogging that you've done. And maybe it is because you're a little bit older. Maybe it is because you, you have a background in journalism. But like, Holly, what you said earlier about the stuff that you choose to promote on your site and the stuff that you choose to to talk about and stuff yeah. it's all very much inherently uh, like the life that you follow and not much of it if I'm going to be completely honest not much of it is particularly calculated like yeah. I think if everyone sat and said how can I get that post funded and that post and that post and that post like for me it might be one in every eight or whatever and I suppose it also comes from years and years ago when I graduated I remember pitching all of these ideas and I've always probably been a little bit niche I've always been interested in mind body spirit and food and, and you know and kind of niche healthy living I suppose like I'm just back from a 10 day detox retreat that's my idea of heaven I get that it's not everyone else's but I remember years ago pitching ideas to editors and they'd say no 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 not interested I love the idea of having a personal platform that I don't have to go to someone and ask permission to share but I just want to touch on one thing that that everyone I think here has agreed is you all say we follow people as in you're following them you're looking at their Instagram stories probably a couple of times a week and one thing that does disappoint me is if I see someone doing a sponsored post say for example for a skincare routine and they say this is my whole skincare routine and in terms of total amount it could be that the routine might cost 150 euros and then a month on they're talking about different products or because there's been some relationships that have come into my life in terms of brands that I've reached out to them I've said I'm a huge fan I'm using this all the time I'm talking about it anyway is there any way that we could maybe work together and I think what I would love to see is people be a bit more discerning and if there is a sponsored post about this is my whole routine or this is my supplements six months time a little bit of consistency yes. yeah. but, but mm. I would also like to see brands entering into longer partnerships with people because exactly. what happens is brands will say will you put up one Instagram post and what they should be saying is will you be an ambassador for a year yeah. and we'll pay you X amount and we'd like you to talk about us three or four times or you know like whatever it is but brands don't think about that long term they just think we need to get something like online in April to show our European heads yeah. you have so to there remember. is that narrow or that short range thinking but you're, I always think of 
my woman or my following is primarily women but I remember like now I'm lucky that I get sent cosmetics and products so I don't tend to buy too much makeup but I remember I'd buy a foundation I'd use it till it end in three months time mm-hmm. you know you have to remember that it's not just oh that's my foundation for that month or I'm very into loyalty and even whenever it comes to clothes I don't want something to wear for the weekend I want a pair of jeans that are going to look amazing you know yeah. four or five years down the line and I suppose in terms of the people that I follow I love the ones that you see they're quite consistent in the brands that they work yeah. with Okay so final question because I would literally talk about this all day long Do you think that Bloggers Unveiled will ever reveal themselves? Same moi <laughs> Can you imagine? Pista was said, yeah, well, I know, I yeah. I, I honestly think... They'll just disappear. I think no, because I think it's a nobody. And, and and I actually said this on my Instagram story, and somebody was like, what do you mean a nobody? Like, you're saying that anybody who isn't a blogger is a nobody. And I'm like, no, I just mean it's nobody that we know of. I don't think it's anybody famous. I don't think it's a name that we'd recognise. Like, if, like, Lisa and Mary from Port Leash come forward and go, we're bloggers unveiled, nobody's going to care. Do you know what I mean? Like, like people are only going to care if it's like blonde and Nikovic. But and then it'll be a big Lawrence story. And your pot had a really interesting point. Like, also, it, as as we've all said here, at some point they're going to have to monetize it. Otherwise, how can you actually afford to spend that much time? That was actually the thing that really annoyed me. That when when people were saying, "Is it you?" and I was like, "You think that I would have an account with a hundred thousand followers and I wouldn't have made money off it by now?" Like, no, I would definitely have been putting up my SP every fifth post. I would. <laughs> okay, so um, before we go, I do want to talk a little bit about. Let's just do a bit of self plug. Why? Why don't we? Aww. Okay, so how can people find out more about you and how can people find out where you are? Holly White, I love your blog so much. I follow it. Oh, the biggest thing that I've been doing that I'm enjoying the most is I've entered the world of YouTube because I do a lot of recipes and I always worry that people can't understand the way that I describe things or yeah. whatever. So if possible, I'd love people to join me on YouTube because I have weekly, every Sunday night, vegan recipes. Really easy things, but because I'm showing, I think it makes it easier if people are like, how on earth do you make that? I show. I love YouTube and I don't think Ireland is... is that much on the YouTube train yet? You YouTube a little bit, don't you? I, I YouTube a little bit. Um, you dabble. We, d- we do have some of the biggest YouTubers in Ireland, though. They're just not in the space of fashion and beauty. Well, so Minecraft we have like and stuff like that. We have the Minecraft guys, yeah. Little Lizard Gaming, and we have another guy in the Chip. Midlands who I think is making six figures a year. I can't remember his name. He's some. Does they're, he do like follow along gaming? They're all it's gaming. gaming one. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gaming is yeah. huge on YouTube. Yeah, and mental. there's also your one who who nobody ever talks about, Madison Cawley, who is one of Ireland's biggest influencers. She's 16 or 17. Uh-huh. She is massive. She I is tried, a YouTube. I tried to get her on the show, but she couldn't make it because she was in school. Secondary Aww. school. Yeah. I know, cute. And I was like, cool, I'll just so be over here making no money, Madison, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mary, I would say everybody should go and watch your TED Talk. You, you, you will find the TEDx Talk um, and lots of other stuff on my Twitter. It's Miss Mary McGill, M-I-S-S, Mary McGill. Amazing. There Ladies, that is all the time we have for now. Oh, and follow Rosemary McCabe on everything. <laughs> Listen, they already know. They already know. Loyal, loyal followers. I forgot to introduce her and I actually Follow forgot. friend of the pod, Rosemary McCabe, with an A in my mouth. <laughs> and ev- on, like on all forms of social media and she will never I'm never coming on again she will never come on again I won't even get her to come for coffee with me I'm sorry Rosemary McCabe follow her and everything she's amazing that is all the time we have for now thank you so much to my panellists Holly White Mary McGill and Rosemary McCabe gets a clap for herself thank you to Shane Dempsey who was on sound Fiona Delaney and Anya Leach I'm sorry that's not Fiona that's Dermot hi <laughs> Dermot <laughs> Dermot Dermot's here for helping me behind the scenes <laughs> and a huge thank you to Kat Stewart who I'm dedicating this episode to it's her last day in work today after four years so Kat thank you for all your hard work for the show we love you and we will miss you I'm Neve Marr and we'll chat to you next week <laughs> <laughs>